Thank you so much for joining us today. You have tuned into the sermon portion of Sunday services. If you would like to join us in person, services are held at 130 Delaware in Grand Rapids, Michigan at 1030 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. For more information about New Hope Baptist Church, please visit newhopegr.org. That's newhopegr.org. Enjoy. I want to continue on this morning and I want us to go to James chapter number two, beginning with verse number one. James writes another something about faith, and I believe that it's going to help us as we think about our interconnectedness and our relationships with other people. James chapter two, beginning with verse one, it says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts listen my dear brothers and sisters has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him but you have dishonored the poor is it not the rich who are exploiting you are they not the ones who are dragging you into court are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking at all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. I want to talk this morning from this subject, symptoms of fake faith. Symptoms of fake faith. Lamar, a few years ago, I was in the market for a watch. And uh, my family tell you, I love watches. I got, all, I got all, watches all over the place. And only two of them work now. Have watches everywhere. I wanted me, uh, but but I've, I've been, you know, one of my dreams, you know, I want one of these high-end watches, you know, Rolex or, uh, you know, uh, Breitling, something like that. So I'm dreaming, I'm, I'm I'm praying, waiting on the Lord to make a way. I ran across an ad on Instagram. And they were promoting these high-end watches, a fraction of the cost. I jumped on it. This is my shot. This is my chance. Got this nice, heavy Omega watch. Beautiful timepiece. Stainless steel bracelet. Sapphire crystal. It's a chronograph. It's, a, it's a just, just a beautiful timepiece. And it was a little large. 
So I had to get it sized. I don't know where you take a watch of this caliber in Grand Rapids to get it worked on. But I took it to a kiosk in the mall. I thought they work on watches. Took my watch to the kiosk in the mall, asked them to take a couple links out of it so they could fit it. And God worked on it, put it back together. He said, may I ask where you got this watch? I said, well, I don't want to tell you all that, but, but I said, but let me, let me ask you. I said, is it real? He said, well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. So I wore the watch and didn't tell anybody the story about how I acquired it, but everybody called oh, it's a beautiful watch, nice watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's an Omega. You know, it's, it's an Omega. I, I like it. Well, about a year and a half later, Omega stopped talking, stopped keeping time. And so from there, we began to investigate. It was, it was not just the stainless steel bracelet and the sapphire crystal and the other elements externally that make the Omega the Omega. But what makes the Omega the Omega is what's inside of it. The Omega watch is an automatic watch. And so one way to tell an automatic watch, uh, even if you look in the, like at the Rolex watch, it does not tick. The second hand moves smoothly. Swiss movement moves smoothly, does not tick. My, my Omega watch, which was not an Omega watch, ticked. It, it had a battery. It ran on a battery. It didn't have the same insides. You know, you can put Cadillac hubcaps on a Ford, but it's still going to be a Ford. I had an uncle who had a Ford pickup with Cadillac hubcaps and Cadillac seats, but it was still just a Ford pickup. But still, though, when we, what I began to understand is that something can look like something on the outside, but doesn't make it that on the inside. It was a fake watch. It was a fake Omega. And we all have been there. Don't y'all look at me and judge me for having a fake watch. Everybody done had some fake something in your life. Don't, don't, don't hang up on me. We, we've been there. In fact, call out your fake purchases before you... Don't go ahead. We all gonna be in this thing together. We've had some, you know. How about how about this? Y'all ever heard of faux fur? All that mink ain't real mink. Some of it, some of it might not be mink. It might look like fur, but it's not real fur. You know. You ever heard of faux leather? You know. You got some stuff. You ought not let it get wet. It it, it looks good as long as it stays dry. Some stuff, you can't use it as long. You can't use it as many times. You can't wear it as many times. You got to space it out. Some stuff, you know, if you look real close, the emblem may be a little crooked. may not be, you know, sometimes uh, it may look like Louis Vuitton. It may look like Gucci, but you get a little closer. You're like, oh, I don't know. But, but, and so we all have been there. We all have been there. And also, then, then, once you went, then we get to a place where we don't like fake stuff. Right? We don't like fake stuff. We don't like fake friends. Nobody likes a fake friend. They smile all in your face. As soon as you turn your back, girl, you know what they did. You know, you know what they did. They're running you down in the dirt. We, we don't like fake friends. Well, you know what? God doesn't like fake Christians. 
There are matters that we do. There are things that we do in the name of Christianity, but doesn't necessarily make us Christians. There are practices and behaviors that we employ that may look good on the outside, but they are nothing more than just good wrapping paper for garbage on the inside. So James writes this letter here, and he's speaking about some elements of fake faith, fake Christianity, and we see it in matters of our relationships with other people. Authenticity is priceless, but just like we have counterfeit goods, counterfeit money, we can have counterfeit faith. James' letter is about authentic Christian faith. And therefore, we can't sing Christian songs. And just because we sing good music and we hear good sermons and we gather in the ornate sanctuary and we have a place that we call the church does not mean that we are practicing and walking out and living authentic Christianity. But a test for authentic Christianity will be deeper than what you sing and what you recite and what you rehearse but also we need to pay attention to how you handle other people. So James here will walk us through and help us here. If you give me a few minutes, because I know we itching to get on with the holiday, we will talk about now some matters of our own faith expression. And you be the judge to decide, am I real or am I fake? In fact, maybe for our congregation, for the New Hope family, we need to ask ourselves, are we genuine or are we fake? Now, don't hang up on me because somebody already is thinking, he calling me fake. Pastor called us fake and all of that. This, this, I'm not even talking about whether you decide to be online or come in person or not. That's not what this is about. This is about genuine Christianity and especially in the context of relationships our public expression could actually be an insult rather than honorable if you're with me first thing is this that fake faith fake faith plays favorites fake faith plays favorites right verse number one verse one James tells them he says that that believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Believers, you can't be Christian and show favoritism and show favoritism and have your favorite people. You can't be call yourself Christian and have certain people you prefer to be with over others. Can't be Christian and believe now that certain people are worthy of more than other people can't be a Christian church and find ourselves willing to go the extra mile for certain people but want to chastise other people. Can't call ourselves honorable Christians when we want to judge some folk and yet we want to coddle some other people. Can't call ourselves genuine Christians when we want to nail somebody to the cross for something that they're doing even though we used to do the same thing can't call ourselves genuine Christians when we do that, and yet we want to, 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 to excuse it in somebody else. Believers must not show favoritism. In fact, he calls it judging with evil motives. It is partiality or making distinctions amongst ourselves, and James says that God sees it as evil. 
you to realize that, that, that you strip all of this off, all of us are the same. It is the external stuff that we use to judge and prejudge and make distinctions between ourselves. There is deep debate and dialogue happening in our nation right now around critical race theory. Critical race theory is, has been around since the 70s, and now it's coming under fire because of the fact that, that, that people of color, black and brown people, are pushing forward in the intellectual stage, in intellectual arenas of all of the, the mistrust and the misinformation and the diluted truth to history, that they are calling out, uh, calling out racism. And the argument is that racism is a man-made construct constructed and deeply embedded in the DNA of this nation where the founding fathers of the United States of America were all white men and written in the fabric of the Constitution when we talk about that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, perhaps they were thinking that all white men were created equal and so now any kind of argument that would speak to the fact that a black man is just as equal to a white man and that white men enslave blacks and so on and so forth Critical race theories out there, and there are those that say, no, we will not teach that. We will not teach that because that eats away at our white privilege and our white supremacy. Now, this sermon is not an argument for critical race theory, and this sermon is not an argument about racial tensions and all of that, so don't hang up on me. But I need you to understand that we all are guilty of partiality that we all have used our own status and our own differences to our advantage at some time or another. We have used our own advantages as a leg up on somebody else and use it to discriminate and disparage other communities. But James is telling us now that we cannot call ourselves Christians and still find ourselves dividing and separating ourselves based on external and trivial matters when the truth is that when God sees us, his grace covers all of us. Who am I to judge you because you did this and you did that and you didn't do it the way that I did it, knowing this, that God covers and God's grace covers a multitude of sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when we understand now that faith fake, fake faith plays favorites, James uses this word for evil, and check it out. He uses the word for evil three times, three different words for evil in his letter. But it's this use of evil. This use of evil is the strongest because it carries the idea of vicious intentions that have destructive and injurious effects. Going back to this matter of critical race theory, white supremacy, and white privilege. Think about the damage that has been done to black and brown lives to preserve white privilege and white supremacy. Think about the damage that has been done in black and brown communities. The damage that is done through political gain. Damage that is done when we see damage that's done in gentrification. 
damage that is done in economics, damage that is done in health care. Think about all of the, do you know that infant mortality is the highest in African-American communities? Do you know that, that even the poor in the white community have greater, they have greater potential than the elite in the African-American community? Injurious effect. And God would call these matters evil. So James uses a parable. Suppose a man comes and one brother comes and he's got money and he's got it all together. We roll out the red carpet. He's wearing a gold ring, fine clothes. And then another man comes and he's filthy. His clothes are ratted and tattered and all of that. Put yourself in the parable. How do you treat these two men? Do you treat them the same? Man comes in with a three-piece suit on, wingtip shoes, and says he's hungry. Wants to feed his family, and they're sitting outside in his Mercedes. What do you do? You invite all of them in, escort them down to the kitchen, give the children toys to play with. Another man comes up pushing a shopping cart. No shoes on. You can smell him before you see him. He's got his children with him. And he says he's hungry. What do you do? You tell him, wait here. We'll go see what we can find for you. I'm not saying that's what New Hope does. But you understand my point. That we'll find it more comfortable to deal with the clean than we will to deal with the dirty. And yet, James tells us that we cannot show favorites. Fake faith. Secondly, fake faith fails to recognize the value of the poor. Fake faith. Fake faith. I believe that, that, that uh, contemporary society has placed a premium on affluence. Even going back to Bible times, biblical days, first century, Prior to the first century, spirituality, a pseudo-spirituality, a fake spirituality was tied to material possession. And that one would think that somebody who had a lot, some kind of way it equated to them being more spiritual. I remember we were in staff meeting at the New Faith Church in Houston several years ago and somebody made the comment that some people are just blessed more than others. And I had to push back because I said, but I don't want people to think that if they don't have the nicest car, that they're not as blessed as the next person. Because God's blessing is so much bigger than your material stuff. Some people are just blessed differently. Because I've seen a lot of folk that got a whole lot of car, but they ain't got no gas to put in it. I've seen people who've got nice cars in the garage, but they can't drive them because they don't have the physical strength. I've seen people who have a whole lot of house, but they ain't got nobody to share it with. What good is it to have all them bedrooms and all them bathrooms and you're the only person living in it? You can't buy a good night's rest these days. And there are people who sleep like a baby in an efficiency apartment will catch the bus and Uber wherever they need to go and they always got joy. But then there are folk who got three or four cars and 
10,000 square feet, and they are the meanest, most bitter people that you know. And so don't tell me that you are blessed more than me, blessed better than me, because you got a better car, and you got a bigger house, and you got a better wardrobe, because you could have a jacked-up attitude, and you could have a broken-down life and a broken heart. But I know that God knows how to bless me. And the older I get, if I don't get another vehicle, God has been too good to me. And I just want him to know, Lord, I appreciate it. So when we understand this matter of faith, fake faith fails to recognize the value of the poor. Because James says, has not God chosen those who are poor? That's what he said. He said, listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those? You realize that the poor have a special place in the heart of God. When you read throughout the scriptures, God places special light, shines special light on the poor and the afflicted. That look how God chooses to enter into the world. That when Jesus comes on the scene, he doesn't come in on a horse-drawn chariot. He doesn't come in escorted by golden chariots and an army. He doesn't even, he's not even born into royalty even though he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. Look how he enters the world. He comes by way of a lowly manger under the cover of darkness with two poor parents don't tell me God doesn't have a special place in his heart for the broken down and the afflicted. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news, to open blinded eyes, to set the captives free. God's got a special place in his heart for the poor and the downtrodden and the broken down. Who are we to say that poor folk have nothing to offer? Who are we to say that poor people are nothing but a menace? Who are we to say that the poor folk have nothing to do with us when all of us were poor at some point in our lives whether you were broken and broke down financially you were broken and broke down spiritually but God in his divine wisdom and mercy still covered your life and saved you so we understand this matter of fake faith fake faith will not allow me to overlook the poor because I remember just how Jesus dealt with poor people. Then when you watch Jesus and you read in the Gospels, you see him walking and he's walking and touching people. He's touching a leper. He's touching a blind man. There in the fifth chapter of John, he approaches the pool of Bethesda where there's a man broken down by life, paralyzed from birth. And Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? Jesus tells him, take up your mat and walk. Be well again that God's got a special place for the broken and if God is looking at the broken we ought to be looking at the broken too God is concerned about the poor we got to be concerned about the poor because when we show partiality our faith is compromised you favor the middle class over the poor we undermine our own witness we go out there wanting everybody to come from Cascade rather than the folk from right there in Camp Hall. We compromise our own witness. When we're telling everybody to come in from Crystal Springs and Ada and Caledonia and everywhere else, 
but won't talk to the folk right down the street in Delaware Manor. Won't hang out right out there in Campbell Park. Won't throw a party right here in our own neighborhood for our own people. We damage our own Christian witness. You want to know why I'm always trying to find ways to engage and connect? Because these people matter to God. And if they matter to God, they need to matter to us. And let me just go ahead and tell you now that I'm working now. I'm working. God is dealing with me about the exclusivity of New Hope Baptist Church. I know that God allowed us to build this church, but we didn't build it just for us. And guess what? If we built it just for us, y'all ain't using it. How many of you been down in the gymnasium in the last 10 years? How many ever took a jump shot in the gym? How many of you been down in the multi-purpose room? How many of you ever been in the kitchen? We got two commercial kitchens, an NCAA regulated basketball gym. We got all of this square footage and all we do is come in this little room right here an hour and a half, one maybe two times out of the month. You got a community around here full of children. You got a computer lab, you got two kitchens, you got a gym, you got technology, you got nurseries. We use one room. Over $200,000 a year we invest in the maintenance and upkeep of this facility and we primarily use one room. Got to be something wrong with that. So guess what? If you're not going to use it, let them use it. Gotta let them use it. Since I'm out there, I might as well say this too. And let them use it for free. Because when we built this, we built it for the community. And now if we tell, if we're thinking now that everybody's got to pay every time they come in here, what makes us different from the hotels and the other places? Now, does that mean then that we just give the building away and let anybody, any and everybody come in here and let any and everything go? Absolutely not. But still. If we have this mentality that this is us's building and only us's can use it, us's is dying every day. In case you haven't looked, our numbers don't look like they looked 25 years ago. This building going to be here long after us. I just believe that if it's going to be here, that it ought to have life the whole time. That's why the bike drive was so important to me. So important for me, for those children to know that the people on that hill and that church see me. And they see me enough that they're willing to invest in me. And guess what? Bikes don't last forever. It's a bike today, but it might be a computer next. So, so just, just, you know, I might have to come back to you and say, listen, we got some children around here and they need devices. They need an iPad. They need a computer. They need a laptop. They need uniforms. They, 
Got some parents around here that need childcare. They need vehicles. They need cars. They need wardrobe. We got multiples of all of that right here in New Hope Baptist Church. I know this kind of preaching right here kind of, you know, rubs some people the wrong way. Good, good, good. That's what conviction does. And you wonder, why don't he just talk about what he came to talk to us about? This, this... That ain't even on the paper. He ain't got none of that on the paper, but it's right here. Fake faith fails to recognize the value of the poor. I'm telling you that when you have poor people around you, you have opportunity to connect with the heart of God because God is concerned about the poor. And so, and I'm going to tell you this now, that their condition, their impoverished circumstances are a manifestation of the sin in the world. And Jesus came to eradicate and to release us from the penalty of sin. And so now, if poverty is a direct result of the sin in the world, then certainly Jesus is concerned by those who are imprisoned by it. So the saving work of God reverses the status of those who were most afflicted by the curse of sin. I know that just went way over your head. Just know this, that we got to do some work trying to impact the lives of poor people. That God did not come just for rich folk. In fact, God came for everybody. And therefore, we know that some people are going to require greater investment than others. But I tell you what, though, when we make investment in other people, it certainly pleases and makes God proud. That God, will, we will find ourselves doing greater work trying to bless those who cannot give to us than we will trying to bless those who already got it. And so I don't want to waste too much energy and time on folk who already got it who choose not to have it I'd rather invest it in people who need it and will show appreciation for it and know this that I'm connected to the heart of God knowing that God will bless everything that we try to do I'm glad that we have an archive and this is recorded because you're all going to have to go back and listen to this to a few times to understand but still fake faith Fake faith is a faith that overlooks the poor. A fake faith is a faith that will, will do some things, but will still make distinction and disqualify people because of circumstances that are beyond their control. Do you think that poor and impoverished people choose that plight? Do you think that people who face eviction got up and decided, I want to work my way into eviction. Do you think that people who are caught in the throes of addiction have willfully and consciously chosen that lifestyle? Do you think that all those people that are homeless down there in the Heartside Park, do you think that they are living their lifelong dream? We cannot allow ourselves to be this close to the largest concentration of homeless people in West Michigan and not be concerned about it. We have to be very intentional about finding ways to touch those people the same way that Jesus would. And we cannot say that we touch them by inviting them to come into our sanctuary. 
Because you know what? If Jesus was here, would Jesus be spending and wasting his time with us? I don't think so. Real faith. Real faith sees value in everybody. Real faith, if we're going to call ourselves God's church, then if we're going to call ourselves God's church and call ourselves a Christian faith in a Christian community, then we will find ways to give away what God has given us. We will find ways to impact and reach and touch households and families and individuals because we know what God has done for us. That's what faith looks like. It's what faith does. So now, don't, I need you to come down off your high horse talking about get them, Pastor. That church know that they can be doing church, need to be church, 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 church. Because now I got to say, what you going to do? You know, ain't it funny how everybody wants to obligate what the church ought to be doing? Everybody's got a recommendation and an opinion about what the church ought to be doing. The last time I checked, you were part of the church. You are the church. And so there's nothing that stops you. Quit waiting for us to always think it and dream it. Just go out and buy a pack of T-shirts. Go out and buy a bag of groceries. Go and buy some school clothes. Go and give some stuff away that you got too much of at home. You know, we throw away more food than any other nation on the planet. We accumulate more junk. I was just, I'm just, you know, I, 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 I just look at the excess in my own life. But I know I'm not alone. Fake faith. Fake faith fails to recognize the value of the poor. Last thing, fake faith. Fake faith practices selective adherence to God's standard. Selective. In other words, fake faith likes to pick and choose what it wants to be held accountable by. It's right here, right here. Verse 8, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all other. Fake faith. Fake faith will say that I'll do this, but I won't worry about that. We're all guilty of it. Fake faith will pick and choose those places. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate the stuff that we get right. But the stuff that we blow, we will diminish that. You know, we'll, we'll celebrate the parts that we, can, that we can do with ease. But the stuff that hurts, that cuts, that's impractical. That's outdated. Nobody does that. That's that well that, that was that was that was way back then. This is now. Fake faith. And so fake faith, again, in the context of relationships. James says, if you show favoritism, basically you sin. We can't pick and choose which of God's standards that we want to uphold 
James alludes then to the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. It is a call back to the basics. This was James giving them a throwback. Y'all call yourselves Jews. Well, you know that the first commandment is for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and strength. But the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so God calls us now to this, that we can't find ourselves always trying to celebrate ourselves and celebrate each other and act as if everybody else is invisible to us. That fake faith does that. Fake faith will pick and choose and find these elements. And I could go down the line of the things and places and areas where we like to hang our hat in other places where we like to say that that does not apply to me. That God was talking to them folk, but that ain't got nothing to do with me. We will give God our praise, but we'll be slow to give him our money. We will give God our worship, but not realize that giving of your resources is a part of your worship as well. And so we think then that the louder that I praise, the more holy and righteous I am. But do you know that you can be a stingy Christian? But the Bible says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And God is not impressed by your hallelujah and your praise because it don't take a whole lot for you to just lift your hands and to cry on demand and to tell God how much you love him. But you will blow more money in the casino and blow it in the grocery store and blow it in the shopping mall and blow it on the car and blow it on everybody else and blow it on trips and blow it on barbecues and oh I'm out there now blow it on all of that and then say God I don't have it and then be you know and then you want to jump in the line where you poor and want everybody to do for you James tells us that fake faith Fake faith, practice a selective, you know, selective on what it is that you want to be held accountable to. But we got to see God's law in context of relationships. Therefore, there can be no partiality in New Hope Baptist Church. We can't place higher value on some people than we do on others. As far as I'm concerned, we got to find a way that everybody in Camp Oak Park can call themselves and consider themselves members of New Hope Baptist Church. Everybody in Delaware Manor and Delaware Commons, everybody down there, we got to figure out how they can know that they are a part of this community. And you know what? They may not give as much money as you give, but you know what? God still gave them his one and only son that if they will believe on him, they should not perish and have everlasting life. If they can say yes to Jesus, then they can be a part of your church as well. Don't think now that just because you're giving some money that it gives you preferential treatment and privilege over somebody else. Because God... God knows the nature and condition of all of our hearts. Therefore, we look most like God and Jesus when we love others without partiality. Why? Because that's how God loved us. We must make New Hope a place where everyone is welcome. That we must truly love our neighbor. And we truly love our neighbor just the same way when Jesus tells the parable of the, the, the parable of the good Samaritan. That there are people all around us that have fallen on hard times, broken down by life, 
and we got to find a way to inject ourselves into their lives, getting our hands dirty in their lives, loving them and leading them and affirming them and touching them and restoring them just as God has done for us. Because the truth is this, that we haven't always looked the way we look right now. We haven't always driven the way that we drive right now. We haven't always dressed the way that we dress right now. And the only difference is the grace of God. Stop telling people this because you got a good education because it was only God who opened that door for you. Stop telling people that it was because you were born in this family. It was only by the grace of God. Quit acting like God owed this to you, but God gave it to you. And God ought to give you, you ought to be led and compelled to give it to somebody else. That we want the world to know that what God did for me, he can do for you. I know what I'm talking about because I've seen what God can do. I've seen God take the broken hearted and make them whole again. Stop thinking that your heart was the last heart that God mended. Stop thinking that you were the last one that God delivered. God wants to use you to deliver somebody else. But we don't do that if all we're going to do is come and huddle up inside of here and sing our happy songs and clap our hands and give our money and get in our late model vehicles and go back out to the suburbs and wait until the next time we come back and do it all over again. That is not the work of the ministry and that is not what faith looks like. But faith is walking out of this place and going to somebody who has less and telling somebody that there is a God who loves you more than life itself and he wants more for you than what you have right now. Have mine. That fake faith. Fake faith. Got too much of it going on. Too much of it going around. So my, my, my goal, my, my, my mission, my journey, my passion is to see our church, to see our church reflecting the heart of Jesus Christ for this community, that we've got to find ways to engage and to connect and to give, to sacrifice, to serve, and to love, because that's what God did for us. Think about the imagery in the scriptures. Think about the parable of that lost sheep. And that shepherd goes to that sheep who's caught in the thicket and, and releases that sheep and puts it on his shoulders and brings him back to the fold. We all have been that sheep before. Stop thinking that God didn't have to do much to save you. Stop thinking that it didn't take as much blood for you as it did for somebody else. Still, you were lost and on your way to hell, but only by the grace of God. That God saw you from afar. That the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sin. And so you may look good today, but there was a time when you didn't look like much in the eyes of God. And truth be told, you still don't look like much. The only thing you got going for you is the blood of Jesus Christ. That when God sees you, he no longer sees your sin. He sees his blood. I know the suit looks good, but it's the blood that makes you look good. I know that the shoes got you looking good, but it is the blood that makes you look good. I know that the car makes you look good, but it is the blood that makes you look better. I know that the house looks good on you, but it is the blood of Jesus that makes you look better. And so they may not have your house, 
and they may not have your car and they may not have your crib but they can have the blood of Jesus Christ and if God can save you I know that he can save them but God wants to know will you go for me and tell somebody about me and tell the world that Christ in the life does make a difference I don't know about you but I don't want to be fake I don't want to have the outsides and not have the insides to match. I don't want to look like Omega on the outside and be Timex on the inside. I want to be Omega through and through. I want to tick the way I'm supposed to tick. I want to operate the way God intended for me to operate. I don't want to be out here posing and fronting and acting like I'm one thing and doing something else. I want to be consistent with my talk. I want my walk and my talk to line up with that when the world sees me, that the world sees God, that when the community sees me, that the community sees that God wants to bless me just like he blessed him. Amen. You can join us every Wednesday right here on your favorite podcast platform. If you would like to join New Hope Baptist Church in giving, please visit newhopegr.org forward slash giving. That's newhopegr.org forward slash giving. Thank you for tuning in.